Well, after uh, just completing a uh, nine-week series on the life of David, I felt led this morning to speak to you on the topic of wisdom. Because even though David was aptly given the title, a man after God's heart, and, and even though his reign will always be remembered as the golden age of Israel, there were times in David's incredible life story when he lacked wisdom. Times when uh, he made decisions that sent him down the wrong path. And each time, his lack of wisdom created great difficulties for him. Some of those difficulties lasted for literal generations. Therefore, one of the things that I pray for every day is that God would provide me with wisdom, a clear sense of wisdom and discernment in the decisions that I am required to make throughout my life and as well wisdom on how to live my life. Because I firmly believe that wisdom is a commodity that we could all use more of, particularly in this deceitful age in which we live. Now, I don't know about you, but most of the time when I think about wisdom, it's often in the context of decision-making because life inevitably involves a whole lot of decisions. And while some aren't necessarily big decisions, there are others that are, are monumental. Some of the decisions that, that you and I are required to make carry with them huge ramifications, especially if we make the wrong decision. And like David, the fallout from these decisions can affect your life and can affect the rest of your life. I'm curious how many of you here by show of hands have ever made a bad major decision in your life? Yeah, I think it's kind of universal. I believe that we all have. And uh, we all had to make a decision and later we found out just how wrong our call on that decision was. And, and honestly, we cringe as we reflect back on it and we wish we could take it back. And I'm sure like me, you've probably even prayed, God, couldn't I just have a redo on that one? But of course, that's never an option, is it? Once you've made a decision, once it's out there, it's out there. And as a pastor, I am often asked to counsel and to pray with people regarding real life issues. They say, Pastor, I believe that God is directing me to do this, whatever it is. Do you think I'm hearing God's voice? And often I'll be asked specific questions. Questions like, do you think this is the right college for me to attend? Do you think I should quit my job and go into business for myself? Should I date this person? Should I buy this house? It seems like a good deal. Should I get married? Is he or she the right one? Should I accept this promotion? I mean, the money's great, but it's gonna involve a lot of overnight travel away from my wife and my children or away from my spouse. Should I move back closer to my family? Should I accept this new job opportunity? Or I believe God is directing me to do this. Do you think I'm hearing God's voice? You see, there's always a rub that occurs with decision-making. Because in every decision, there's some real upside potential, isn't there? Which can make it a very, very exciting thing. But then there's always the downside risk. 
that you're inevitably going to have to manage. And so on any given week, when I have the privilege to stand before you and to to teach you from God's word, I wonder how many of you are facing significant relational, vocational, financial, educational, and especially spiritual decisions. You see, I'm confident in, in the next 30, 60, 90 days, many of you here today are gonna be facing a really big decision. And the toughest part about making a big decision is that the risks are very high. We all know people who've made terrible choices in major crossroads of their lives. I had a friend who who took out his life savings and then he borrowed additional money to invest into a sure thing. It was some kind of a real estate scheme, but it wasn't a sure thing at all and he lost everything. I have counseled men and women who fell in love with someone who they were completely unequally yoked with, someone who was not in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and they come and they counsel with you about why they should marry this person or why they want to marry this person, knowing full well that it is a recipe for failure because the scriptures tell us not to be unequally yoked. And then they will justify their position with statements like, well, pastor, love conquers all. No, it doesn't. Sorry to burst your bubble, but it doesn't. Well, he's different. (laughs) No, he's not. (laughs) He's a wolf in sheep's clothing, trust me. (laughs) They would never pull me away from my relationship with Jesus. Oh, yes, they will. And they go against your advice. And they go against what the Bible says. And sometimes, literally within months, they disappear. You don't see them anymore. They quit serving the Lord and they come back and they're divorced and they're scarred all because of a bad decision. Even now as I speak, perhaps you or someone you know is paying the price or the consequences for a poor decision. And what is so sad is that no one wants to pay the consequences associated with those bad choices, do we? You don't. So where are we going to get the best input for making the critical decisions that we face? How are we going to be able to raise the batting average, so to speak, when it comes to effective decision making? Because decisions do alter your life, and this is a big deal. I want you to turn to the New Testament book of James, chapter one, if you have your Bible, if you don't have your Bible, There's one in the pew pocket in front of you. If you don't want to get in the Bible, all the scriptures I'm going to read today will be on the screens behind me, and you can follow along. James has something to say about this, and it's very important. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man 
unstable in all his ways. Since we all need wisdom to live in this age, especially in finding direction and making decisions, especially when seeking guidance, James says the best place to get this kind of wisdom is from God himself. He has the wisdom that we need, and he loves to generously give it to us. There's a phrase in there that says he will give it to you without reproach, and that means that he is not burdened by it. It is not a bother for him whenever we ask him for input, whenever we ask him for direction. God's desire is to be at the very center of our lives. He will never put us down. When we keep him at the center of his life, he will give you what it is that you need. So here's the question I wanna pose to you today, something for you to ponder. I wonder how many of us in this church, while facing our most critical crossroads of life, actually get on our knees? Do we look up and open up our heart and our mind and our spirit and say, God, this is a big one. And I do not wanna make this decision without you. I don't wanna gather all of my own data and leave you out of the the decision directing uh, giving equation. I want to look to you and I humbly ask for you to intervene and to give me a sense of direction in this decision that I'm facing. How many of us really know how to access the wisdom of God and furthermore, to live by it? How many of us do this on a regular basis? If we say we do, we are in the minority of the American populace by far because Americans have a lot of other ways in which they seek guidance and wisdom. A recent Gallup poll showed that 58% of Americans believe in astrology and in their daily horoscope. So much so that they look to it regularly for direction in decision-making purposes, 58%. That's a staggering statistic when you think about it. And I wonder how many Christians are in that 58%. Another big one is psychics. I'm sure you've all seen the TV commercials for the Psychic Friends Hotline. And perhaps you've even noticed storefronts and homes in different communities all over America with signs posted. Some of them are neon that say psychic readings here. Well, hundreds of millions of dollars are spent every year by Americans on psychics, by people who are facing big decisions and wanting to know what their future holds. Others, they turn to best-selling authors who write what are known as transpersonal movement books. They're everywhere. They're all based upon the the New Age philosophy. One of the popular authors of these types of book is a man named Deepak Chopra. This guy has made multi-millions of dollars selling his books. I read an excerpt from one of his books, a widely sold book called Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. I wanna read this to you, and I wanna ask you if it makes any sense. If I embrace the present and become one with it, I can experience a fire, a sparkle of ecstasy throbbing in every living sentient cell of my being. And I am on a cosmic journey 
stardust twirling and dancing in the eddies and whirlpools of infinity. What in the world is he talking about? Did that make any sense to you? It was just like a statement of nonsense as far as I'm concerned. Who makes this stuff up? And who in their right mind would make any kind of a major life decision based on this new age cycle battle? Millions, millions do. Some people, when wisdom is needed, they, they just go with what their closest friends and their, their work associates have to say. It's truly incredible the influence that our friends and our associates have on us. And all I have to say about that is you had better pray that when you do that they're in the right frame of mind. Because if you've caught them on a bad day, on a day when they're making one of their own major life decisions, they may just steer you right in the ditch. See, most advice or wisdom that, that our friends bring to the table is generally cultural wisdom. And how many of you know that that's not at all what you need? What you and I need is godly wisdom, wisdom that lines up with what the Word of God has to say. You had better be careful who and where you go is the point I'm trying to make in receiving wisdom when making one of those big life decisions. Because as we've already made clear, the ramifications of these decisions that we make are substantial. You see, when you have a decision to make, you need to know something that's a bit outside of the information that you currently possess. Here's the deal. There's stuff you know you know, there is stuff you know that you don't know, and then there's stuff you don't know that you don't know. And that, my friends, is when you really, really need help. And the reason I'm talking about this is I fear that maybe some of us approach these key moments in our lives where decisions have to be made with no framework for obtaining quality, reliable, and desperately needed input. And therefore, we rely on a combination of human intuition, a little bit of real life experience, or sadly, we obtain input from talk show guests, new age authors, and friends who all mean well, but don't know very much. Well, James is telling all of us today that we can do better than that, that there's better wisdom out there to be found. So avail yourself of it. James says God has all kinds of wisdom, and he's more than willing to share it with you and me. God des desires to steer your life in the most constructive direction that it can go, and nothing, nothing would please him more than to come alongside of you at, at every critical intersection of your life and help you to make the right call, because that is God's heart. But two things are, are necessary to receive God's wisdom. And the first one is this. You gotta really believe that God possesses this kind of wisdom, and furthermore, that he's willing to share it with you in a concrete way. And another, another thing that is necessary in receiving wisdom from God, number two, is you must learn how it is that God gives his wisdom so that you can obtain it and you can apply it to your life. And that's what we're gonna look at this morning. Let's go back to our scripture. 
where it says in verse six, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. I want you to get this image in your head. I'm sure all of you have been to the ocean before. Well, this isn't referring to the waves that rush toward the shoreline constantly one after another while you're sitting on the beach. This is referencing the surface of the sea and how that it never appears the same from moment to moment. You see, it's always shifting. It is always moving according to the direction and the strength of the winds that are driving it. So if you are doubting, my friend, you, you are being tossed about like a wind-driven wave. And you're double-minded, the Bible says, and, if, and you are unstable, the Bible says. James is saying, if you try to approach God for guidance, but you're not real serious about it, if instead you're thinking, I've got this major decision that I've got to make, so I'm going to cover all the bases, therefore I'm going to read my fortune cookie and my horoscope, and I'm going to flip a coin, and I'm going to rub a rabbit's foot, and I'm going to talk to all the guys around the water cooler at work, and oh yeah, for good measure, I'm going to throw a prayer up there to you big guy in the sky, maybe you'll help me out. James says that ain't going to happen. You're not going to get any wisdom from God that way. That kind of person should not expect to receive anything from God. God has no interest in being an afterthought. He doesn't. Or a last-ditch effort for you to make your decision-making somehow come across to other people in your life as spiritual when it's not. If that's the matter, the manner in which you approach God, then just be prepared to stumble around for a while until you give him the rightful place in your heart. You see, if you are considering asking God for guidance in a critical moment in your life, you have to first demonstrate faith. You gotta say, God, I have concluded that your wisdom is higher than any other wisdom I am able to receive. Your guidance is more trustworthy than, than any guidance that I'm going to be able to patch together outside of you. So I'm looking to you, Lord, and I am looking to you alone. And when your direction comes, I will do my utmost to follow it to a T. I will apply it to my life, firmly believing that it will lead me in the way that I should go. That is faith, ladies and gentlemen. James is saying here, instead of doubt... That's the kind of faith that moves the heart of God. It delights him. It enables his wisdom to flow through and into your life generously. It's exactly what he means in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I really wonder how many of us do this on a consistent basis in our marriages, in our parenting, in our professions, in our finances, in our stewardship, all of the regular challenges that we face. Do we see these big decisions coming and do we call a time out? What do I mean by that? Well, at the office, do you ever close your door and just bow your head and say, God, this is a big one. And I humbly seek and ask for your direction. Before you make any decisions of consequence, do you bow your head and say, God, please, I want your reliable, transcendent wisdom in this situation. 
What would our lives be like if we all lived God-guided lives? Think about it. But even more so, if by faith, we apply all of that wisdom and guidance. When you get past your self-sufficiency and you finally start looking to God and asking for direction in key pivotal moments of your life, all that remains is for you to be able to determine is that direction really coming from God? And that's what I wanna spend the remainder of my time talking about this morning because I want this to be practical for all of us. I want you to have something to hang on to and start depending on the guidance of God from the minute you leave this place today. So how does God provide his wisdom and direction for your life? Well, there's four ways that I wanna share with you. I'll talk primarily about the first three and then we'll touch on the fourth. But here's number one. God provides guidance through his word, the Holy Bible. I always tell you, you should be in the word of God. You should always read the Bible. And some of you look at me like I have three heads and you don't understand the importance of doing that. And I'm going to try to explain to you why it is so important. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The psalmist says that we would all be stumbling around in the dark and winding up in the ditches if we, if it weren't for the light of the truth of God's word. There, you know, there, there are massive amounts of guidance data that is already written down in the Bible for you and I to read. All those other channels of information that I shared with you earlier, well, every one of those will only give you fuzzy, vague, and as I read, even really contorted, like, I'm on an acid trip idea. I don't know where that stuff came from that that guy wrote, but it made no sense. What a contrast to the Bible. The Bible cries out, what do you want to know? You name a subject matter, you need to know specifically how you can wind up in heaven when it is that you die. Well, there's no mystery. There's straightforward information in the word of God about how God forgives guilty sinners like you and me through what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. And here's straightforward information of how you and I, through repentance and forgiveness, can receive forgiveness and be placed in the family of God and go to heaven. It's in John 3, 16. It said, for God so loved the world. And I might, ever, I might add everyone in it that he gave his only begotten son that who should ever believe in him will not perish but receive everlasting life. There's a multitude of verses as clear as that one. These are straightforward answers from the Bible that a five-year-old can understand. That's how clear the Bible is on so many things. Anyone wanna know the ground rules for morality so that you can walk in integrity instead of walking around constantly in guilt and shame? The Bible says that's easy. Let's start with the, the 10 Commandments which includes such straightforward commandments as honor your father and your mother. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't be covetous of other people's things. The Bible says that all of these things are the building blocks of society. 
This is how you build a family. This is how you live a life of high integrity. It's just straight truth that anybody should be able to grasp and understand and live by. You wanna know how to build your marriage? You wanna know the basics of parenting? How to repair a broken relationship? How to handle your money? How to treat your physical body? What you should do with anger and anxiety and fear and guilt? It's all in the Bible. It's all in the written word of God. And when you read it, and when you apply it to your life, you'll be heading in the right direction. It's been said that 90% of all that we need to know in the form of guidance has already been written in the scriptures. And that alone should get us on as straight a path as we need. This is why, again, I keep urging you, especially if you're new, to get a Bible and to read a little portion of it every day. This is why you need to go to our discipleship classes on Sunday mornings before our worship service, because you will be in the Word of God and you will be learning principles from God's Word. Because when you read it, you will begin to slowly saturate your mind with God's truth, and it will literally wash over your life. Then when you come to one of those critical crossroads, when you come to having to make one of those major life decisions, you have a new sense of direction of which way God would have you to go on the basis of what his word has already said. And at High Point, we are committed to try to help everyone to grow in your understanding of what the Bible has to say about life so that you and I and all of us will have a solid undergirding. And when you face those critical life decisions, you are more than equipped to say, here's what I believe God's direction would be because I am spending time in his word. And I, through that, am getting to know God's character. And all the while, your decisions will, will have a lot less drifting going on. And you will find, we will find as a church, fewer people winding up in ditches as a result of decisions that have been made utilizing godly wisdom and not conventional wisdom. So the first thing is God guides his people through his written word, through the scriptures, through the Bible. But here's number two. God guides his people by promptings from the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This talks about people being led by the very Spirit of God, and this is kind of a guidance from God that is absolutely remarkable. Because some people get to an important crossroad and they say the Bible's great, but it isn't specific enough enough for this particular issue that I'm facing. I've decided, I have a decision that is going to require highly technical information. And it's something that I need to make and I need something that is more concrete than what I have read. I need more than just the general teachings of the Bible. And God says, I, I know you need more than that. And so therefore, he says, I'm going to offer it to you. I'm going to offer you personalized guidance by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, my Holy Spirit. And it's going to be available to you, and you will be able to discern it, and you will be able to respond to it. It's kind of like having an air traffic controller out there tracking your path. 
someone you can call on in a moment's notice if you find you might be drifting, or better yet, who will actually reach out to you when you are drifting and you're getting off course somewhere in your life. Promptings from the Holy Spirit are very much like receiving vectors from air traffic controllers. We don't necessarily hear an audible voice like a pilot would hear in his headset, but if we learn to develop an awareness of the Holy Spirit, if we developed a heightened sensitivity to the promptings of Holy Spirit, then we can be very adept at knowing when the Spirit of God is saying you are doing well, you are, right on, you are right on course. You know, sometimes you'll be saying something to someone in a conversation, or you'll be serving in some way, or you'll be apologizing to somebody for something that, that you said that was boneheaded. I have to do that a lot, by the way. And, and while you're, I do it in humor, and after I say it, I thought that was, that was not good, so I have to correct myself, but it's just... That's humor. My humor does that. So if I've ever offended you with my humor, I apologize. Uh, forgive me. But I do have to do that. But anyway, while you're doing those things, there's a growing sense of peace that sweeps over you on the inside. And, and you sense in your spirit as you're doing these things that it just feels so right. So what is happening at moments like this, I'll tell you what's happening. The Holy Spirit is prompting you by saying, I am affirming the road that you are on. And that's that peace that the Bible talks about that passes all understanding comes over you. And when you get that kind of peace from the Holy Spirit, you know you are on the right path. You are heading in the right direction and you are doing the right thing. But in a similar way, Sometimes you're engaged in something and you get an uneasiness that can come over you. You become restless in your spirit and that's when the Holy Spirit is telling you danger. Danger, Will Robert. You're getting off course. You're losing your temper right now. You get back on course, you're starting to exaggerate. You're, you're starting to lie. You're hardening your heart. You're powering up. You're getting prideful. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is telling you that you were walking on dangerous territory. He is saying, make the correction and get back on course. And then when you make some appropriate corrections and you do get back on center line, you will find that that peace that I talked about just a moment ago returns. That is a major way of how God guides his people. It is somewhat subjective and, it, and it, it does take a while sometimes for you to grow spiritually to the point where you recognize and you become knowledgeable on how these promptings work. But you cannot discount them or say that they're not important because it is a sure way that God guides his people. A great example of this is found in Acts chapter 20. When the Apostle Paul says, I have to move on to Jerusalem, specifically, Acts 22 says, and see, I now, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me. Paul is saying, I am being led there by the Holy Spirit. I feel like I am being bound in the Spirit to go there. He says, I feel this prompting so strongly within me that I need to move on to the next city. It's almost like I've been captured by this prompting 
and you can be rest assured because I feel that way, he's saying, I am going to obey it. I'm going to act upon it. I want to hear your promptings. And, 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 and when they come, I want to bind them to my heart so that I will follow as you continue to lead my life. That's a healthy way to live your life by following the Spirit's call. Some of you are here today, and a lot of this is new to you. You've only been around this church for a short period of time. Maybe you just joined us recently. And some of you, honestly, you don't even quite understand why you're continuing to come here on Sundays. But let me tell you why. The reason that you are continuing to come here on Sundays is something is going on inside of you. And there is a sense inside of you that this is right, that what you are hearing is truth, and it's resonating in your spirit that it is true, and this is a healthy environment that you have decided that you need more of. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that is the beginning of God starting to lead your life. Pay attention to that. Pay great attention to that because it's a way that people get led from where they are now to the, to the next place of spiritual development in their walk with Christ. It, it takes you to the next place and it will ultimately take you to greater levels of spiritual maturity. Others of us in this place have served the Lord for a long time and we've heard and experienced these things called promptings and leadings. And many of us have grown to discern them and to follow them and they have guided us through many, many decisions, through many, many journeys. But it's time, I believe, for all of us here at High Point to make a new covenant with God, to pay more attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the leadings that, that come into our lives, to discern them, and more importantly, to follow them, realizing that this is a very common way in which the Lord leads us as his people. And here's a quick qualifier for you. These promptings that come from the Holy Spirit always correspond with the teachings of God's word. There will be no contradictions. You know, you read in the newspaper about some crackpot who goes out and he kills somebody and he has the audacity to say, God led me to do this. And that's exactly when you know that God had nothing to do with that at all. God did not lead this man to kill an individual. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will never ask you to do something that violates the teachings found in the Word of God. It always acts consistently with one another. So just make sure that the promptings and the leadings that you're receiving and trying to discern always line up with the written Word of God. And when you do follow them, and you just watch how God will guide you through your next step. Well, here's number three of how God leads his people. God leads us through the counsel of wise, godly people. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now I mentioned earlier that seeking advice from friends and those who you work with can sometimes be a recipe for failure. But when you seek wisdom from spiritually mature believers and followers of Jesus Christ, people that who perhaps have faced the, 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 the same decisions 
that you are facing at some point in their life, those who have not only made that decision, but they have navigated it wisely, this is what this scripture means. Seeking this kind of counsel might sound something like this. When you were in a situation like I'm facing, how did you handle it? What were the dangers that that you thought of? What was the upside potential? And then you might wanna ask them, how did God guide you? And really probe them about that. It's okay to ask questions. And then at the end, I would ask them, would you have any input to give to my situation? I wanna ask you to give it to me carefully because I believe that God might very well be using you to offer guidance to me at this moment. And then I would ask them to pray with you and for you for the decision that you have to make. Sometimes that's how God provides you with the wisdom that you need. He will provide wisdom to you through another individual. They will act as a, as a kind of a conduit. So, so you have to figure out who might be the best conduits to approach. And let me just say, you don't always have to go to your pastor. You can go to a Christian friend, sometimes to your spouse, sometimes to an older Christian that you respect. You can go in a, to an elder who has lived and experienced much more in life than maybe you have. And you can say to them that I, I am humbling myself to tell you about a critical decision that I have to make in my life. And I wanna ask you, if you would, to give me some insight because God might clarify this path in my life through you. And if you don't have any people like that, that you, in your life that you feel like you can go to, let me just tell you something. I do not know of a godly man or woman who would ever turn away such a request. They would be honored that you thought enough of them to ask them a critical question like that. And I know that they would give you their very best and they would make it prayerful and they would take it in all seriousness. Let me give you just one more before we close. We've talked about searching the scriptures. We've talked about being attentive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And we just talked about seeking wise counsel. Now here's the last one very briefly. Sometimes God guides his people through circumstances. We see an example of this again with the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, eight through nine. He says, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost for a great and effective door has been opened to me and there are many adversaries. Paul longs to see the church in Corinth but it has, been made, it has been made very clear to him through circumstances that he is to stay in Ephesus. This is clearly another way that God provides directions for your life. God leads his children by simply opening or closing a door. Sometimes even before you have a chance to make a major life decision, a door closes. Or perhaps another door opens right in front of you. I mean, one of the opportunities that you were considering just vanishes. The curtain drops on that, but then a new one appears. This is a time when it wasn't the scriptures, when it wasn't an especially strong prompting or, or it wasn't guidance from a, a godly human being that, that you trust and love. But when it came down to making a decision, it was based upon a closed or an open door. Sometimes God works that way. 
But even when a door opens or closes, my advice to you would still be make sure it aligns with scripture. Make sure you clearly sense the Holy Spirit's prompting. And then I would still avail myself of wisely God, godly counsel. Listen, this stuff isn't rocket science. I know that and I know it's been basic for so many of you here today. But whoever said truth from the word of God needed to be technical. It doesn't. The scriptures are clear. When we need wisdom for critical decisions, for critical intersections in this life, if you ask God by believing in faith, he will give it to you. So I want to encourage all of you this morning to demonstrate your faith, to put his wisdom at work within your daily life, because you will be so glad that you did. This is where you come up and help me to close this down. Anybody else warm? Maybe one of you guys who's got the air conditioners on your phone might bump it up a little bit or down, because I'm sweating like a madman up here today. I'm not sure why. So after sharing all of this with you this morning, why aren't our hearts burning right now with great joy and great anticipation of us running out and doing it? Well, I'll tell you why. Many of us live with this mistaken notion that our life doesn't matter that much. We do. The thought kind of goes like this, who am I, so what? So what if I don't get every decision right? Here I am just sort of meandering and muddling around through life, a life that just isn't that significant. So what if I get some things right? So what if I get other things wrong? What's the big deal? There are more important people out there and they ought to do this, but me, you know, I'm just kind of a rank and file guy. Doesn't make that much difference. Well, I want to say to you this morning that nothing could be further from the truth. This is the only life that you have been given, and it's a gift from God. And for so many of us in this room today, that life that he's given us is already a quarter or half or three quarters over. And all you have is from now till the time that you die or the Lord comes and takes us home to experience the fullness of the adventurous life that God has planned for you on this earth. You only have from this day forward to experience the fullness of his love and, and the fullness of his purpose in your life. And the fullness of how he might guide and how he might use you for something much greater than perhaps you've even fathomed in your own thinking. I would argue in the complete opposite way by saying you can't afford to be even 10 degrees off course. You can't afford to get to any of the critical crossroads and get them wrong because your life is that important. So I would just plead with all of you today to value your life in the way that God values it. How was that? How did he do that? He did that by sending his son. He loved you that much that he sent his son to die for you, enough to arrange for his wisdom, 
to be available to you so that you can experience his full potential in your daily living. He values you enough that he and all of heaven right now are cheering you on. And they're saying, the angels in heaven are saying, we believe in you. Our Father, Heavenly Father, has such a plan for you that if you could just see it, it would literally blow you away. Get, God is saying to you today, get on my path. Utilize the wisdom that I am offering you and live a God-guided life. If we all did that, what would the future hold? What would it hold? Let's all commit to seeking God for his divine wisdom and hold him at his word that says it will be given liberally and without reproach. One last thing, speaking of wisdom, one of the wisest things you could ever do is to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of the messes that we find ourselves in is due to poor decisions that we've all made. Decisions that were made without any concern for God and his ways at all. And the truth is, had you been in a relationship with him, you would have made a far different choice than you did. And many people would not be dealing right now with the blowback from poor decisions that were made earlier in our life. Jesus wants so desperately to have a personal and an intimate relationship with you. He wants to give you this free gift called salvation that was, a made, that was made available to you that day that he died on the cross. He died for you, he died for your sins, he died that you might come into alignment with him and make him savior of your life. He died so that you could experience so much more than perhaps you're experiencing today. You've never invited Jesus into your heart to be Lord and Savior. I'm going to pray in just in a minute. You can pray your own prayer, but the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, it's very basic. Again, a five-year-old can understand this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You believe and you confess those things to the Lord. The Bible says that he is faithful and just and he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness and you can start down a new path with an entirely new life. You are what the Bible now calls a new creation. And that's when you start seeking his guidance for your life and your life will change dramatically, I guarantee you. Just talk to anybody in this place who could tell you about their past and where they are now and they will confirm that with you on a personal level. Would you all stand to your feet, all of those of you can? While I pray, if you don't know the Lord, just pray a prayer of confession and belief to him. And better yet, when you're leaving, come out and see me out in the foyer and shake my hand and let me know that you prayed that prayer. I never really know on any given Sunday who accepts the Lord in this place unless you tell me or someone tells me. And uh, I, I would really like to know that. But I wanna pray for all of you and, and while I'm, doing that, I want to pray that God would give you guidance in your daily walk, not just in the big decisions, but just in everything that you do. 
You know, this has been, I've talked a lot about decision-making today, but sometimes it's just a matter of small decisions that can have huge ramifications. And that's where we need wisdom in all things, not just the big things. So I want to pray for you. In fact, what I want to ask you to do, when you bow your heads and pray, just hold your hands out like this, like you're expecting to receive something. Just bow your heads and let me pray over you. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you that all the wisdom that we need comes from God. And according to your word, you not only have it to give to us, but you want to give it to us. And if we come to you in faith, believing, and, not, and are not double-minded, you will give us what we need. And so, Father, I pray for every person in my church family here today. Lord, we all have decisions to make on an ongoing hourly basis. And sometimes we have major decisions that come along, life-altering decisions. And God, we don't want to make those blindly on our own. We want to make them knowing that we are receiving direction from your spirit, direction from your word, direction and wise counsel from people who perhaps have been down that road with us before so that we can make wise decisions so that the ramifications of those decisions would only be positive and would not be negative and sometimes things that would cling to us for the rest of our life. So I pray in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, that you would just pour out your wisdom upon my church family today, that they would receive that wisdom, that they would think deeply before they make decisions, before they make choices on a daily basis of whether we're going to do right or whether we're going to do wrong. We're going to take God's path and we're going to live a life that is going to bring honor to what Christ did for us. So Father, I just pray that you would touch the lives of my church family that you would strengthen them, that they leave here today, they would feel like they have an air traffic controller over their shoulder, telling them which way to go, and that they would listen to that voice and they would, they would follow that voice. God, I guess what I'm praying is keep us out of ditches. Keep us from seeking wisdom from foolishness, from, from people who don't know any better. Just because someone is a millionaire doesn't mean he has knowledge. Just because someone writes books doesn't mean he has knowledge. Only you have infinite wisdom, God. And we only need to come to you when those times come. So strengthen us in our decision-making. And Father, I pray as we go our separate ways today that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct our steps, the things we do, the places we go, the conversations that we have. Let them be conversations that build people up and not tear them down. And Father, I pray that we would shine like bright lights in a very dark world that desperately needs you. Let us shine so brightly the love of Christ that people will know. They won't even have to ask. They will know that we are Christians by the love that that comes from us. Father, I pray for divine appointments this week for each one of us. Let someone cross our path this week where we can share your goodness with and invite them to church. Use us, Father, this week to touch somebody's life for for Jesus. So, Father, I pray as we go our separate ways, you'll keep us safe from sickness, keep us safe from disease. Keep us safe from any accidents that might befall us so that we can come together as a family and worship you as was mentioned at the beginning of this service in spirit and in truth. And as we leave, Lord, let us leave in love. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for being here.